This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I am delighted to introduce you to one of the busiest working actresses and producers I know. Her name is Patricia McKenzie, and her star is rising on so many fronts as an actress, singer, dancer, producer. Later on in the program, back on Finding Your Bliss, we have a lawyer by day and meditation teacher by night, Josh Cohn, to talk all about meditation and lots more. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Patricia McKenzie. So Patricia is passionate about creating awareness, especially on the topics of mental health and discrimination. Her 2022 feature film projects include two LGBTQ projects, Waking Up Dead, a dark comedy, and Forsaken Son, a crime drama, as well as an urban crime drama called Fallen, and a documentary called Myth. Her award-winning short film, Bully Fighters, Shorts TV, has partnered with the National Center for the Prevention of Community Violence, that's NCPCV, and it continues to screen in schools and community events, primarily in the U.S., but it's done extremely well. And I remember when that was first made. If that weren't enough, Patricia also sings with the band Call to the Bar, originally formed in support of AIDS Beat. And after a thrilling night headlining at the El Macombo right here in Toronto as part of the 25th annual AIDS Beat Can Far event, they then played at the National Yacht Club as well. Patricia originally comes from the world of musical theater with shows like The Lion King, Notre Dame de Paris, and Chicago. After transitioning into acting, Patricia starred in many films and TV series in French and English, such as Charlie Jade, Naked Josh, The Phantom, Cosmopolis, and we're going to talk about that one, Soul Food, and Stardom, just to name a few. She's also the associate producer of the family film Bigfoot and the Burtons, Showtime and Amazon Prime. She's the producer of Lion King Cancer Benefit events for the Canadian Cancer Society, as well as numerous plays, shorts, web series, music and feature (laughs) films. Patricia is a multilingual native English, native French, Italian and Spanish, multidisciplinary producer, actor, dancer, singer, multi-race, black, white, female who was originally from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And she's based now in Los Angeles and Miami. Patricia McKenzie, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. (laughs) That was quite an introduction, Judy. Thank you. (laughs) I have to tell our audience, Patricia, that you and I go way back and we've been part of a fascinating group of women in a mastermind group headed up by Mag Ruffman and a lot of other wonderful actors, broadcasters, singers, and media personalities. And we've been doing this for over 10 years now, although COVID has made us, uh, we need another get together soon. And I remember the time years ago, and I want to go back 10 or 12 years, when you were in so many television commercials. I think there was a period where you were actually cast in 10 commercials at the time. One of them was, I don't know if I can say it, McDonald's. Oh, yeah. And you hadn't yet broken into film. 
And that all changed when you got cast opposite Robert Pattinson in David Cronenberg's film Cosmopolis. And I think that was a life changing moment in your career. Can you take us back to that time and tell us what happened? Sure. I had moved to um, Toronto to do The Lion King. And while I was there, I got, you know, Toronto representation. And I did a lot of commercials. Prior to that, I had done a lot of uh, starring roles in TV series. So I wasn't new to the world of screen, but I hadn't done much feature film work. So I remember I was in the mastermind group, which is um, you and I are part of this amazing group of ladies. We would get together talk about what we're working on, what we need help on, and just kind of help manifest our dreams. And at the time, I remember I was trying to manifest a leading role or a supporting role, some kind of role, opposite one of Hollywood's biggest leading male actors. And it seemed like an impossible dream, but I thought, well, I'm going to have this impossible dream. And then sure enough, lo and behold, I auditioned for Cosmopolis and got this role as Robert Pattinson's love interest in the film. <laughs> and my jaw just about dropped when I got it. It was such with David, it was a David Cronenberg film, such a great project and film to work on and a great team. And it just uh, really showed me that, you know, what you dream you can achieve and anything is possible, really. Especially when you have a group like the mastermind group that we have of people that you can share these things with and really vocalize what it is that you want. And once you do, you end up going in the direction of getting it. I firmly believe that. It's so true. It's so true. And and not long thereafter, you moved to Hollywood and you were on fire. And I remember when you were working on Bully Fighters. Can you tell us what the inspiration was behind that film, which has done very well and is really in schools all across the U.S. now? So I had been living in L.A. and a girlfriend of mine, we had just finished her film called Bigfoot and the Burtons, which is a family film, which uh, did well. It's on Showtime. Uh, great film. Anyhow, she wanted to do this short film called Bully Fighters. And I thought, oh, what the hell? I'm going to be back in Toronto. I was living in LA at the time. Why don't we do that? But I had a very short window. I was working on a lot of TV series at the time. I remember there was just no time to shoot it. We wanted to shoot it in time for a film festival. And the inspiration that you asked me about was at the time, there was a lot going on. Uh, The woman on the school bus who had been bullied, uh, some young girls who were bullied relentlessly and then committed suicide. So it was just sort of this time when so many incidents were happening and I felt kind of helpless and powerless. And I thought, what can I do as a person? And my answer was, I can do something as a filmmaker. I can do something as an actor. So uh, Jupiter Makins, who wrote it and directed it, and I got together in a whirlwind. We created this film that took a village. Literally, everyone came out of the woodwork to help us. It was a very exciting time. And then from that, the National Center for the Prevention of Community Violence found out about the film and brought us on to their board and to promote the film in schools all over the place. I can't tell you how many events we've had, how many kids we've talked to, and parents. I've even ended up being a uh, keynote speaker at the IGES Institute in front of the Judicial Committee, police officers, you know, just all kinds of heavy hitters in that world to show the film and to talk about these issues, bullying and representation and even policing, all of it. I I mean... uh, Wow. It just encompasses so much. The National Center for the Prevention of Community Violence is an organization that has used the platform of this film, Bully Fighters, in order to wow. change the conversation, in order to get the message out, and in order to show that violence is a process, it's not an event. So how can we interrupt mm-hmm. that process? 
so that's the power of film, the power of this film in particular, and the power of getting your voice out there in whatever tools you have to use, use them and, and make the change in the world. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that you do a lot of films that are related to causes, like you really have a social conscious. Is that a conscious decision? You know, I, I guess the energy we put out comes back to us. And so it's not that I'm out there actively looking for projects that promote social change. It's that I guess those are the things that are important to me. So when I decide to invest my time in something, people naturally come to me with those kind of projects, maybe because maybe you can read it off me. I don't know what the thing (laughs) is, but that's what comes across my desk. And those are the ones that light me up to say, Yes, I'm going to invest a year of my life intensely into this film. And if I do that, I should hope it would have some redeeming social value Mm -hmm. and certainly Mm -hmm. do everything it can to promote ideas that make the world a better place. Absolutely. I should also tell our audience, I remember this about you, Patricia, that you took 20 lessons. And I think it was with Robert Horvath, wonderful piano teacher, 20 Uh or 25 lessons. And you were determined to play brilliantly within a couple of weeks. And you did. You took all of these lessons and you practiced intensely every day. So whatever you do, what drives you so relentlessly, whether it's piano or making films as an actor, as a producer, because you are a very driven person. You are right, Judy. I'm glad you mentioned Robert Horvath. He was an inspiration. I decided I wanted to play and finish a song because I'm really good at starting things. It's harder for me to end things. Maybe I don't like endings. I don't know. But so he ended up teaching me some really good, beautiful classical music. And I ended up doing a Chopin concert, (laughs) which I never thought I could do. But there you go. And uh, I still love that piece. I still play it to this day. I think I just get immersed in whatever I'm doing, whether and especially music. I come from a background of dance. My family are all musicians. Uh, singers and and mostly musicians, piano and guitar. So I really get consumed and passionate about that. But whatever project I'm in, I get tunnel vision and it becomes all about that until, you know, I can see it through, which is really exciting for me. You began as a dancer. You're a dancer. You're an actor. You're a singer. You're now a producer. You're really a quadruple threat. But I'm just wondering, it began with dance, I think. So what do you love about dance? Isn't it still your first love? Yes, dance is my North Pole. I think dance is my guiding. Dance is the place when I dance, I feel like, how can I put it? You know, sometimes I can have thoughts in my head, doubts, a filter. But when I dance, all of that's gone. And I just feel like I become just a pure vessel of energy. And so I want to always feel about the rest of my life, the way I feel when I'm dancing in the zone, I guess, is what people say. You know, uh, when it's Mm -hmm. just something is going through me, it's pure expression. Mm -hmm. Dance was my first career and my first love. And once a dancer, always a dancer. So it also has helped me super strong mentally, physically and healthy. I suggest dance to anybody, quite frankly. Do you remember the first time you were on a stage and what that felt like? I think I was about four years old. And uh, right away, my teacher was putting me to the front of the class. We were doing little songs like Marzy Dotes and Dozy Dotes. <laughs> and I just, I always just felt supernatural. Like that's where I belonged. No shyness, no nothing. I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> but um, dance was just like a birthright. Wow. 
So cool. It's so cool. You're originally from Montreal. You spent many years in Toronto, as we just discussed. You moved to L.A. Since the pandemic, you've relocated to Miami. I always think of you as like a jet setter. Can you tell us what prompted you to move to Miami during the pandemic? Yes. Well, uh, during the pandemic, I was still in L.A. working on a film. So filming right in the beginning and all through the pandemic. But right as the pandemic was getting more under control, my husband got a job in Miami. We were supposed to come and then we rented a condo. We came down to our condo and saw how crazy it was in Miami. (laughs) So very opposite of LA where we were still wearing masks and, you know, being careful. And Miami was just a bit of a free for all. So we waited another six months, went back Mm -hmm. home to LA. We still have a place in LA. And then we came back here and, um, kind of adopted this freedom mentality. (laughs) So uh, we've really been enjoying it so far in Miami. It's great. It's kind of like we're by the water. It's a nice break because nothing happens in Miami entertainment-wise for me. So I can just (laughs) take a little break. Chill and relax. You were nominated, Patricia, for a Gemini back in 2006 for Best Supporting Actress in Charlie Jade. What are your memories of being in that TV series and being nominated for such an amazing coveted award for that specific role? We're going to find out all about that and so much more right after this short commercial break. We'll be right back with Patricia McKenzie. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoom Radio AM 740. And I was just asking you, Patricia, what it was like being nominated for a Gemini Award for Best Supporting Actress in Charlie Jade. Oh, I'm glad you asked me about that project. That was one of my favorite projects. Uh, We actually shot that in South Africa. And earlier we talked kind of about manifesting and putting a voice to your dreams. And after Lion King, I really wanted to go live in South Africa. Mm -hmm. I really, really wanted to go see South Africa. And so it happened. I got this job where I spent a year filming in South Africa. And I have beautiful memories and great friends still there. Uh, It was just an incredible experience. And then I also wanted a role that really challenged me. And this role really challenged me. My character, what she went through every week, (laughs) and what I went through to play her every week was intense. And so it was really gratifying to be nominated for that work and uh, to have it recognized, you know, uh, I think it's important and it it feels validating. 
You have so many projects coming up right now. I don't know where to start, but why don't we begin with tomorrow, Sunday, October 9th. You're going to be in Tampa for a dark comedy LGBTQ film that you're in that you also produce called Waking Up Dead that just premiered in Palm Springs to fabulous reviews. And then in November, it's going to go off to the Dominican Film Festival in New York City. Woohoo! Can you tell us about the film and what it's been like to be involved in this? So we shot this film, Waking Up Dead, uh, by Gary Terracino in Los Angeles in the middle of the pandemic. So it was really intense, very different way of working because naturally in film, all the actors and the crew want to be close together. You're working close quarters, but we were masked and distanced and policed. So it was an interesting experience, but we made it through and it's a great film. The reviews have been really good. It's a really kind of funny it's very funny but heartbreaking tale about a man and the role of his mother in his life and the women in his life uh so i'm excited that it's out there so we're in the palm springs film festival and then now the tampa festival and then the next one is new york it's distributed by breaking glass pictures so i can't wait for it to get out there and the trailer is available now it's very very funny but also very meaningful Wow. How did you transition, Patricia, from performing to producing? Because it feels like somewhere along the way, you always were a triple threat, quadruple threat, and then you sort of ventured into the world of producing. Was that always a love of yours or was it something that just sort of happened par hasard? How did that all occur? You know, I I love that question because I love kind of thinking about that. And I think it began because I am not easily satisfied so in any area, I always want more. I think I just like to keep my world kind of full. And so when I would be performing, it was never enough somehow. I always felt like there's more I can do and there's more I can give and I can participate more. I can help more. I have the curse of wanting to be too helpful sometimes, like let other people do their job. So I think it really began in the biggest way when I was doing The Lion King, performing full time and also doing commercials, like you mentioned, and also doing TV series work and traveling back and forth from Montreal to Toronto nonstop. I decided that that wasn't quite enough. So I, while I was doing that, I would produce. <laughs> so I started using the Lion King cast and crew and orchestra and their publicity machine and the company to help me produce shows for the Canadian Cancer Society. So it started like that. Wow. And then from shows, I thought, well, you know, I could produce film. And the way I started was I just started. I always tell anyone who wants to produce or do anything, just start. People will come out of the woodwork. Even if you're not good at something, if you're not a good writer, just start writing. Someone will come along and start writing with you. If you're not a good, you know, producer, just start producing and help will be on the way. It's amazing Mm -hmm. how many people just jump forward and get involved. So that's been the success for me of everything I've produced. None of it has been just me on my own. Everything has been, I started and then, People came and joined and it's just exciting because all these energies converge. That's so cool. One week from now on Saturday, October 15th, you're going to be back in Toronto for the Real World Film Festival at the ROM, the Royal Ontario Museum, and the premiere of a film that you're starring in as well called The Myth of the Black Woman, a bilingual documentary film where you talk about your experiences as a black female actress. How did that all evolve? That sounds fascinating. Ooh, so uh, Belange Productions, two amazing women actresses, had contacted me before I moved to Los Angeles and they were going to do a documentary that would involve me living in Los Angeles. We did not end up doing that, but they contacted me again 
because they wanted to do this documentary about how black women are represented in the media. And uh, the timing wasn't good. Timing is never good in my world, but I always make an effort and I thought, I'm gonna, let me make this happen. So I actually had to drive all night from a place far away in Toronto, up in Muskoka somewhere, and then drive to Montreal to be wow. there in like whatever eight hours because it was a long <laughs> drive from where I had to go. Anyway, oh I thought, let me just do important representation is important so i drove all night my husband drove mostly but i whatever i was in the car and so we got there i got in my makeup having not like the makeup artist put makeup on me didn't sleep nothing and i started the process of this documentary but i'm so happy i did it because it's important and i think the voices the stories the representation like i told you about that the documentary speaks of is really needed in our world now. So I'm excited to take part of it. I have to, once again, I have to try, I just got back from Toronto and I'm going to go back for this documentary and do the Q and A, the panel on it. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about just getting the experiences that I've had working on all these sets and the scripts that I've been given as a black woman. What's that been like? I'm interested about the experiences of others and I'm Happy to share my experiences. That's so great. You also have an LGBTQ crime drama that you star in called Forsaken Son that everyone, it's on Amazon Prime. It's also on Tubi, another streaming platform. And Patricia, you won Best Actress at the Houston Black Film Festival for that role. Can you just tell us briefly what that was like? Cool. Congratulations. Oh, that was really fun. It was a great crew of friends and new people that we had assembled for this. We shot it in Chattanooga to be Atlanta. The film is set during the time of DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. So it has a really powerful message about love. It's an entertaining crime drama, but with an undercurrent of a lot of heart. So I was really kind of thrilled to star in that and also to produce it. And that it's kept going, you know, that it's out there and it's available for people to watch. And I think it's an important film for people to watch. So, yes, Amazon Prime and Tubi. It's called Forsaken Sun. That's so cool. So, guys, if this weren't enough, all of these projects that Patricia's starring in, winning awards for, producing, everything, you're also in a band called Call to the Bar. And as mentioned off the top, you just headlined at the Elma Combo in Toronto. Woohoo! As part of the 25th annual AIDS Beat Canfar event. Tell us about the band. That's so awesome. How did this all evolve and uh, what is it like? And, and you must love it. I found my bliss. <laughs> so <laughs> I had been asked to uh, join this band that the band started because of Canfar's AIDS beat, A Battle of the Bands. And so they, I was living in LA and they asked me, would I come and join their band in Toronto and do this Battle of the Bands? So I, you know, I'm always just a plane right away. So I said, sure, why the hell not? But I was terrified because I thought, you know, a band, like I'm not used to being the lead singer and front runner or any of that. So I started performing with some bands in LA and I got an amazing reaction. So I thought, okay, they haven't thrown tomatoes at me. I can do this. <laughs> so we go to, I go to Toronto and I joined this band. Terrified. I thought they're going to kick me out right away and they're going to tell me I'm no good and whatever. So I joined this band and uh, we played and then we won. We won the Battle of the Band. So we got this big, huge trophy. Oh, my God. And then um, <laughs> that was before the pandemic. So right after the pandemic, they brought us back to headline at the Elma Combo, which wow. we did. It was so much fun. And then after that, we got hired to play at the National Yacht Club in Toronto. And then uh, the set, listen, the set went from 
you know, I did three songs the first time, I did 10 songs the second time, and then now we were doing 25 songs. So it just wow. kept getting, and so it's a full blown concert pretty much. And that's inspired me. And so I thought, this is what I want to do. Just play with the band, do concerts, use all the dancing ability I have and singing and show, you know, performance. Just, I feel so at one on stage when I'm performing. Wow. That's what I was talking about, where there's no doubt in me, there's nothing. I'm just kind of alive and kind of present with no judgment. So that's my right. bliss. That's my happy place. 1000%. If I could be like that in my whole <laughs> life, I think. Wow. I mean. That's so fabulous. Well, I remember when you recorded the song, A Love That Will Last For Your Wedding. And I'm so excited that our listeners are going to be able to hear some of it now. Can you tell us what inspired you to cover this beautiful song and how it all came together? I wanted to sing a song for my husband for my wedding. And as you know, you and I all met through Elaine Overholt, Big Voice Studios. And so yes. I approached Elaine. I was like, please help me work on this song. <laughs> so Elaine Overholt and Glenn Morley, who engineered, brought me in the studio. We recorded this song. I sang it live at my wedding, but I kept the song and made a music video the day after my wedding, exhausted as I was. <laughs> I had a friend come in and made a music video for me. And I just treasure the memory. I think there's so much power in singing and in song and in music, it can transport you. So I hope you'll be transported by a little bit of this song. <laughs> I'm so excited to share it with our listeners. Now here is Patricia McKenzie singing A Love That Will Last. Let's have a listen. God, Patricia, I love that song. It brings back such great memories. You sound gorgeous in it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Love that. <laughs> Thank you for playing that. Of course. What is bliss for Patricia McKenzie? I know you touched on it, but ultimately, what is bliss for you? I would say expression. 
expressing myself through music and dance and film, but also through family and friends and, and love, you know, my husband expressing joy and love and humanness. <laughs> I think that's bliss for me. Just, um, life is a school for me. And so getting to experience it and express myself is my ultimate bliss. Love that. Well, we're due for a get together. We have to have a mastermind loving get together because it's been way too long. I know, Patricia, that you're currently writing a script that you hope to produce next summer. Can you just briefly tell us more about this project? I'm currently writing one script, but I have several scripts in my head. Not sure which one I'm going to produce. But the script I'm writing is about a woman who believes that she's being targeted, let's say, but she's dealing with some mental illnesses. So she doesn't know if her aggressors are real or imagined. Mm. Wow. So uh, mental illness is a heavy topic in my life. I've been through severe depression. So it's always of interest to me, mental health, even in dealing with other people that have mental health struggles, my heart goes out to them. So it's a topic that I'm really interested in addressing either in this film or the next film. We'll see. Will you come back on the show when it's happening and tell us all about it and tell us more? I would love to. It's so lovely to spend time with you. Thank you. This is so fun. It's so fun. What is the best way for people to contact you, Patricia McKenzie, and connect with you on social media to keep track of all the multifarious things that you're doing? You've got a lot happening. How can people stay in touch with you and follow you on social media? So I'm on every social media platform at Patricia McKenzie. M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Some of it's written M-C-K-E-N-Z-E, just because uh, that was the handle I could get. My email, you can get through my website, is info at patriciamckenzie.com. P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E.com. That's awesome. They can reach me there. And uh, my band is available for book. That sounds great. I want to come. I want to come and hear you guys. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, Patricia. It's been so wonderful having you here. It was very exciting to be here. I really appreciate your thought-provoking questions as well. Thanks, Patricia. It was so lovely. And uh, we'll do it again for sure. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More is Finding Your Bliss and yoga and meditation instructor Josh Cohn when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Finding Your Bliss belong solely to the host and guests on her show. 
Hi, everyone. We're back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And now back on again. I've lost count to how many times it's been, but uh, we're joined again by lawyer and yoga and meditation instructor, Josh Cohn, who is also my teacher. So it's always just such an honor to have him here. And I'll just tell you a little bit more about Josh Cohn. Shortly after being called to the bar as a lawyer in 2001, and while traveling through India, Josh enrolled in a 10-day silent retreat that deeply resonated with him and greatly influenced his understanding of the mind-body connection. And then after completing a yoga teacher training program in 2003, he began to share the principles of yoga and meditation with a vast student body ranging in age from 12 to 101 years old through workshops, classes, and discussions at studios, athletic clubs, hospitals, and retirement homes all throughout Toronto. Josh explains the meditative process through the concepts of physics, philosophy, and psychology, illustrating the principles involved from all three viewpoints in an effort to give students a broad spectrum for reference. Josh currently practices family law, civil litigation, and estate law in Hamilton, Ontario, and has been involved with the meditation component of the teacher training curriculums at 889 Young Street and Downward Dog Yoga Center in Toronto, Ontario. And he currently teaches a weekly mindfulness drop-in class on Friday mornings at Octopus Garden Yoga Center via Zoom. And you've got this beautiful meditation class at your fingertips. In the spring of 2023, he will be co-leading the third annual offering of a 50-hour mindfulness teacher certification program with Pat Harada Linfoot of Octopus Garden. Can't wait to hear more about that. Josh Cohn, welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you, Judy. It's great to be back. So great to have you back here. And it's been a while, Josh, but it's so great to see you in person again. And the last time we were together was on at way back in the middle of the pandemic in Julie Black's 100 Strong and Sexy in the Arms of an Angel Meditation Workshop online, which we did together several times. And we've been through a lot with COVID in the last couple of years. And before this interview, we talked about how meditation is more than just breathing. It's also about noticing how life is always changing and that nature's always changing and how to organize ourselves around all of this as we step outside of our comfort zones. So Josh, can you just take us through a quick canvas on what mindfulness meditation encompasses, including the basic essence of just witnessing all of the changing phenomena without reacting to them? Absolutely, Judy. And yeah, you, a wonderful introduction because the essence of mindfulness meditation is to be mindful. And what are we being mindful of but the present moment? We're being aware of what's unfolding moment by moment, both within us and around us. And as we become more and more aware of what's unfolding, we start to recognize how we may be reacting to what's unfolding. And oftentimes those reactions, they come from old patterns that are deeply entrained in us, deeply ingrained in us. And mm -hmm. as a result, the filter that we have of what's arising is colored by these past experiences that we have. And so the art of meditation and mindfulness is to start to recognize how we react to different 
sensations that are happening in the body to different thoughts that cross the mind to the different types of stories that might arise or memories that might arise and to begin to weaken the way that we respond so that we can become impartial. We can become the objective observer of what's happening. And the reason we want to do this is because in life and in nature, everything is constantly changing. So nothing is the same. There's a, a saying that you can't step into the same river twice because that river's flowed. It's already shifted in some way. And so the meditator is starting to learn how to be able to be present and aware and equal to what's arising and see it truly for what it is rather than through these filters of our past conditioning. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. And I think as we meditate more, we start to become aware of how the environment affects how we feel. Can you say more about this? Yeah, absolutely. And this actually has been the broad um, focus of my practice for a long time now, a couple of decades, where I started to recognize that how I was feeling internally was very much connected to what was happening externally around me. And in some ways, it's quite obvious that if it's a hot day, we're going to be feeling that heat and it's going to be affecting us in certain ways, both the mind and the body. Conversely, if it's a very cold day, we'll have the same types of responses to what's arising. And in nature, we call this entrainment. So when you are immersed in a field of something, then you are going to eventually start to harmonize with that field. So the way they discovered this, or at least illustrated it back in the day, was with two pendulums. So one pendulum would be moving at one rate, another one would be moving at a different rate, and then eventually they would connect and harmonize. And so we are inseparable from our environment and whatever is occurring in the environment is going to eventually, there might be a small delay reaction, but it will eventually influence how we are feeling internally. And what I noticed is that in the environment, there are recurring patterns that arise. So there's the pattern of the wake and sleep cycle, which we call the circadian rhythm. That's the 24 hour of the earth spinning on its axis, where we go through different phases of activity or rest. And then there's also the rhythms of the lunar cycle. So the lunar uh, cycle is 29 days, and that's the amount of time it takes for the moon to go around the earth. And during that time, there's different types of pull that the moon is exerting on the earth through its gravitational force, which affects our behavior in many ways. And then there's the solar cycle. So as we cycle around the earth every 365 days, there is the change of the seasons. And here we're speaking at the beginning of fall and the climate has shifted a little cooler and the days are getting shorter now at a very fast rate. And all of this is cueing us to um, start to move a little more internally. So when the days are getting shorter, when the temperature is dropping, the animal in us, our primal instinct starts to kick up and recognize that, oh, fall and winter are approaching. And it's time to start to think about being a little more perhaps industrious and setting up our homes, our nests, so to speak, for the coming winter. And so this concept of entrainment, this concept of being aware of the environment is really helpful because if we aren't aware that, oh, there's an external cause for maybe why I have a headache today because the barometric pressure is shifting, then we may resist it and fight it and not understand why it's happening. And that just makes it worse. It creates suffering for us. Whereas if we have the understanding that, oh, I'm just entrained with the environment, I'm sensing the pressure change, 
then we still might have the headache, but we're not fighting it anymore. We have this wisdom, this understanding of its cause, and we can relax and give it space and, and let it eventually shift through us. That's so cool. As we mentioned off the top, in spring of 2023, you're going to be co-leading the third annual 50-hour mindfulness teacher certification program with Pat Hereda Linfoot of Octopus Garden. It really sounds fantastic. Can you tell us more about what this program is going to entail? What is it going to look like? Yeah, well, this is, like you said, our third time. So we've done it twice already. And both times have been remarkable. We've had a very diverse group of uh, students that want to enroll and attend and contribute to it. And although we're billing it as a certification program to become a mindfulness teacher, it's not necessary that your goal is or your aim is to become a teacher. It's very helpful just to deepen your own practice, your own understanding. And we do it through Zoom and uh, there's between 40 and 60 participants the last couple of years. And that enables us to um, utilize the breakout rooms that Zoom offers. And so we can go into smaller discussion groups and we can begin to um, have a little more of uh, an intimate discussion, conversation with our fellow um, meditators. We've had a really great range of guest teachers that come in to contribute. We've had neuroscientists Mm -hmm. from U of T. We've had people from the BIPOC community to come in and discuss. We've had uh, just really a lot of great contributions. And um, the structure of it, this offering coming up, will be similar to the last, where there'll be 36 hours of information and discussion through Zoom, and then 14 hours where the uh, participants are asked to attend mindfulness meditation classes that are offered through the studio, as well as begin to teach. So... Oftentimes, we'll have two or three students co-leading a 30-minute class. So each one takes 10 or 15 minutes, and it gives them some nice hands-on experience. Um, it's voluntary. You don't have to do it, but it's really a great opportunity to be – because when you're the teacher, when you're the guide, I should say, of meditation, you mm-hmm. are the space holder. So you're the one that's holding space and being the yes. indicator of the present moment. And so each of us has our own rhythms, our own tempos, our own approaches to it. And it's a wonderful way to get exposure to perhaps 40 different viewpoints or 40 different expressions on how the practice of mindfulness and meditation arise uniquely in each of us. That's so cool. And this is going to take place over a couple of weekends. Like, is it like two or three weekends, the part that's on Zoom? And does this start around March of 2023? That's correct. It starts um, shortly after the uh, spring equinox. So it's also a nice time. Uh, it's about six months from now. So where the light is now returning, it's growing very fast. Uh, we're starting to grow and expand. It's a wonderful time to learn. And it is an intensive. So the way we're running it this time around is two intensive weekends, one in March, one in April. So there'll be about 18 hours spread over two days each weekend session. Mm -hmm. And that will give the uh, 36 hours of the guest teachers, the collaboration, etc. And then the other uh, 14 hours can be at your leisure. So at any time, Octopus Gardens is great. It runs two or three meditation classes a day um, via Zoom. So there's lots of opportunity to uh, jump in. Oh, I didn't know that. That sounds fantastic. That's great for our listeners, many of whom may, you know, not wanting right now because it's still COVID to actually go out there and can still participate on Zoom online. That's fantastic. I want to find out more at the end of the show about how they can do that. 
So another topic, I know you've talked about how there's a growing trend to using psychedelics in conjunction with meditation, that a lot of celebrities are doing this. And I actually have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So what are psychedelics and how are you using them in meditation? Okay, yeah, it's this is really a burgeoning field. It's quite a phenomenon. Psychedelics are a broad term that uh, it means mind manifesting, but they are molecules. They're a class of molecules. And the ones that are more classical and traditional are um, tryptamines. And tryptamines are types of molecules that have receptors in our brain. They're it's the same receptors that are the serotonin ones. So the antidepressants of pharmaceutical companies, um, mm-hmm. they trigger the same receptors in the brain that are called tryptamines. So these are naturally occurring molecules that, interestingly, we have evidence going back hundreds, if not thousands of years of mm-hmm. the Zapotecs in Mexico, where you have a human form sitting in a meditation cross-legged position, but their head is a mushroom. And many accounts of how these uh, substances have been used throughout um, history in both healing and for spiritual means. And what caught my interest was, gosh, it was about 13 years ago now, in 2008, I believe, a study out of John Hopkins University where they did a small study of about 12 participants who had never tried them. They gave them a strong dose. And Mm -hmm. afterwards, the people who participated relayed that it was a spiritual experience on par with the birth of a child, like just a really profound experience. Mm -hmm. But what was most uh, incredible was that they went and interviewed the family members of the participants 14 months later, and eight out of 10 or 80% of the family members said they still noticed a positive lasting change in the person since they had the experience. So in essence, what these molecules do is that they dampen the default mode network in the brain. So the default mode network is um, sort of the autobiographical self. It's the part of the brain that processes our history. The default mode network activates in absence of a pressing task. So it's sort of what we default to as it's named when we don't have anything pressing that we have to do. And so it supports mind wandering and even rumination. And Mm -hmm. what psychedelics do is they dampen it or they even like, eliminate it for a period of time so that you don't just wander you're not thinking autobiographically about yourself you're in the present moment you're in this flow state so that's one way in which they help us to um, become more present more in the present moment so what's been happening is this growing trend called microdosing where people are not wanting to have like a very strong intense experience where they might see colors and shapes and all this the mystical experience but rather they just want to have like a little more clarity, a little more focus throughout the day. And so mm. this trend of microdosing is caught on. And what that means is instead of taking a normal full dose, you're taking one-tenth of that. And when you mm. take one-tenth of it, it's almost like just a suggestion, but it's enough to give people a little bit of a floor so that they're not um, falling as much into the default mode network. They're a little more focused and present. Wall Street, Silicon Valley, or sort of the hot spots that started where people were really seeking an edge and in, in being creative. But what is, uh, I think, most interesting, most promising is that the FDA in the United States and Health Canada have both caught on and they're running studies now in phase three, a very broad study for treatment resistant depression. It's already being authorized by Health Canada for end of life therapy. So if someone has a terminal diagnosis, they are allowed mm. to have a strong dose of a psychedelic and 
afterwards, people express that they're at peace with their condition. They're more at one with themselves. And so I think we will see in the next couple of years that this starts to become legalized. Already cities have decriminalized it. And um, this is going to be one of the greatest uh, breakthroughs in mental health in our lifetime. Wow. Wow. Well, it's fascinating stuff. I guess my so my thing when I first heard about this, so I just very briefly, if you can comment on this, is that to me, it sounds like the opposite of what I thought meditation is supposed to do, which is to induce a state of mindfulness and enlightenment naturally without drugs. Mm -hmm. So the minute I hear psychedelic, I think, well, you're using something to achieve what's supposed to be a natural state. Yeah. Um, but again, we can look at how we are part and parcel of our environment, and that includes the inputs that we take. So, for example, caffeine is a very common input that people use to help keep them alert. And even in meditation practice, the legend has it that the bodhisattva was so frustrated at falling asleep while meditating that he cut off his eyelids and threw them to the ground. And that's where the first tea tree grew. Now, of course, it's just a, a metaphor, but you know, these are powerful tools. These are powerful molecules, and they really need to be used with proper guidance. And when they are legalized, it will only be under um, the guidance of a therapist where you may go to a clinic, you may take it, and there'll be a couple of people in the room with you. And then afterwards, you get ongoing post-care. And that's very important. It's called uh, reintegration. But um, my personal viewpoint is that if the person finds benefit out of it, mm -hmm. and the nice thing about these molecules, they're not addictive in any way, and they're non-toxic as well. So there is no, unlike an opioid, there's no risk of dependency on them. And um, so if you can do it safely, now again, I'm not recommending anyone try this. You really should wait until it's legal and you have someone that can guide you that's been trained. But if it ends up that it helps people, whether it's through their anxiety, through their depression, through their OCD, or through their mindfulness practice, then I, I think all the power to it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's always good to learn more about how we can improve our meditation practice. And it's very interesting. As mentioned, you teach a weekly mindfulness drop-in class on Friday mornings at Octopus Garden Yoga Center via Zoom. Can you tell us more about that briefly and how it works and how people can sign up for these classes? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Judy. Thank you. Uh, well, it's easy to sign up. You sign up online. And they sell it packages. I think it's about $8 a class, but if you buy a pack of 10, it, it's reduced. Mm -hmm. And that package is good for any of the mindfulness or meditation classes that they offer. And as I said, there's a wide range of teachers mm -hmm. and there's a wide range of time slots. And what's nice about it is that, so I teach at 8 a.m. in the morning from 8 to 8.30 on Fridays. But if you can't make that, you can still sign up for it and you'll get the Zoom link to be able to take it at your leisure wow. within 24 hours. So that's really great. And if you're interested, I highly recommend um, trying different teachers out at the studio and to sign up online. So it's Octopus Gardens. You can just Google it in Toronto. You'll see um, how to enroll for the Zoom package. That's fabulous. That's so fabulous. So I, I was going to ask you, what is bliss for Josh Cohn these days? And please don't say psychedelics, but I'm joking. If it is, <laughs> of course, talk about it. But what, <laughs> what is bliss for you these days? You know, bliss is returning to a sense of normal where I was able to really enjoy my two-year-old niece this summer, to spend time with my family, to go traveling again, seeing friends and feeling like, okay, yeah, it's like there isn't this ominous pandemic that's hanging over us. There isn't this forced sense of separation. And I think when it boils down to it, happiness and bliss comes from our social connections. And so for me, this past uh, six months this summer was fantastic because I had a lot of great 
social connections with friends and family. That's so wonderful. Well, I'm happy to be connecting with you right now. It's bringing me some bliss. And what is the best way, Josh, for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? Yeah, on social media, I'm on Twitter at Josh Cohen, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram. But I think the best way really to connect with me and ask some questions, if you're curious at all about mindfulness, would be through email. And it's yogawithjosh at yahoo.ca. And I'd be happy to field any questions and, you know, start a dialogue. So please feel free. That's so wonderful. Well, I encourage you all to do this. Josh is a wealth of knowledge and he's so wonderful. He was my teacher at 889 Yoga and he's just fantastic. Josh, I know you do much longer meditations. You're on a 10-day silent meditation retreat and your typical meditation is 20 to 30 minutes. But is there any way that you could just lead us all out of the show today with a short and sweet meditation? I'd be happy to. So let's do that. And meditation begins by closing your eyes. As soon as you close your eyes, you're now moving internally to the internal world and getting a sense of how you feel, how you're making contact with either the ground or the floor in some way, or perhaps your chair that you're sitting in. And let's just take a moment to feel those contact points and do our best to help balance them, to help feel a little more equality between right and left, between front and back. And then also checking into our face to let go of any excess activity. So usually we soften around the eyes, soften around the jaw and at the temples. And notice the breath. How are you breathing? Is it coming in through your nose or maybe your mouth? If it's coming in through your nose, does one nostril feel more open than the other? And then feeling where the breath travels on the inhale. And then the moment it stops and begins to reverse and exhale. And we'll follow our breath as we meditate. It's our barometer of the present moment. Thoughts will come, thoughts will pass through. But the breath is steady, it's regular. And as we feel more settled in our body, we can expand our attention to different sounds as they arrive. So listening for the different sounds as they enter your ears from both inside and outside of the space you're in. Then you can continue at your leisure as long as you like. Whenever you realize you're deep in thought to just come back to your breath or come back to listening for sounds. At some point, you may notice that the boundary between inner and outer dissolves and everything feels unified. The sounds, the feelings you have, the thoughts, they all feel like they're coming from the same space. Thank you. Well, that was just wonderful. I want to thank you so much, Josh Cohn, for that wonderful uh, time today. We could talk, I know, all day for many more hours. And so, of course, I'm going to invite you to come back on again another time with even new things, maybe closer to the 50-hour mindfulness meditation. So thank you so much and namaste. Namaste. Thank you very, very much for that. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, as always. Each week, we spotlight someone who is found and is following their bliss and helping others do the same, much like Josh Cohn, who's a wonderful mindfulness meditation teacher and a lawyer as well. And we also spotlight a singer-songwriter or a musician on the show every week. So if you're a singer, please reach out to us. 
And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, we would love to hear from you. Also, what did you love about today's show? Are there any guests or topics that you would like us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. And if I can help you in any way to achieve your bliss, please let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I'd like to thank all of our wonderful guests, Patricia McKenzie and Josh Cohn for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer and audio engineer, Nair Omani, senior editor, Lauren Kaminsky, video editor, Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.